The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon. And welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. And my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. And Dinah, wow. Critically acclaimed cool. <laughs> it doesn't really work. Not really. No, not when you, not every not yeah, everything yeah. deserves to be a prefix. And uh, wouldn't you know it, we're scraping up against Sid and Marty Croft. Oh, Sid <laughs> and Marty. We've been threatening to do Lidsville for the longest time, oh. but uh, A, Lidsville is bizonkers, and B, there's a lot of it. Like, it lasted one season. There? Uh, like, it lasted one season, but I think there's, like, like over 50? I'd have to look it up. There's Why a lot would of you episodes. do that, Sid and Marty? Lidsville is the kookookiest Lidsville. Lid, Lidsville is a movie about I think it's Butch Patrick yeah. like gets into a gigantic magician's hat mm-hmm. and is sucked into an alternate dimension where people are hats. And the villain is Charles Nelson Riley. I've heard like stories that if you like go into like Seth Rogen's production like mm. offices like you could just smell the weed. Like they, <laughs> like they, I heard this. I don't know how true this is, but I heard they like moved production offices and they had to like extra scrub the place because everything just smelled so much of weed. And I feel like I don't know what acid smells like, but I figure if you were, <laughs> when Sid and Marty Croft left their office, yeah. they was like everyone's like, why do I taste? Plaid. Did did, did we wash the acid away with Sid and Marty? Did everything taste purple for a second? Uh, Sid and Marty Croft are award-winning TV champions, and they've done a lot of really notable shows. H.R. Puffin Uh, stuff. uh, Sigma the Sea Monster, uh, I think, was theirs. Land of the Lost was the show of theirs that I watched the most when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Probably Um, the most fondly remembered today, I think. Yeah, they did a lot of these uh, genre shows, a lot of which were very Mm puppet-oriented, or or like gigantic. Uh, The Bugaloos was another one. They did Mm -hmm. Superbug. A lot of people in sort of giant yeah. mascot outfits. Yeah, that that was their metier for the longest time. Yeah. It's what they're best known for. Uh, they were involved in other things as well, but uh, their shows were were very very strange. Uh, they didn't have a tone like any of the other shows. There were a couple of Sid and Marty Croft knockoffs. If you ever remember a show yeah. called The Great Space Coaster, no. that was a Sid and Marty Croft knockoff. It wasn't actually theirs. I feel like a lot of. Um like Ruby Spears live action stuff. Yeah. Had yeah. that vibe, like the, like the Ghostbusters, mm. not the real Ghostbusters, but their Ghostbusters has a very Sid and Marty Croft kind of vibe. Very formula driven, very, yeah, very a, broad humor. The guy in a gorilla suit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Electro woman and Dinah girl, uh, was not a, uh, was unusual in the canon in that it wasn't uh, necessarily a comedy. Now, Land of the Lost wasn't a comedy either. That was an adventure mm-hmm. show about Rick, Will and Holly. They get in a, a, raft they go river rafting and they go through like an aperture in space time yeah on their river raft basically trip. Just, did and, you see the uh, show lost it's like that but for kids in like yeah, the 70s uh, but, yeah. but they end up like in dinosaur times and they run into like proto-humans and befriend yeah. them I, I th- but I there's like, also like lizard aliens that yeah. are bothering them that all live of the, in the ancient my, past all of the coolest theories about lost like when it first came out like oh there's gonna be dinosaurs on the mm-hmm. island stuff like that no you're thinking of land of the lost 
which is an awesome show. <laughs> I actually kind of like the movie, even the Will Ferrell one's actually kind of fun. Oh, I, I never saw the movie. It's actually. fun. Um, it, there's a lot of fun stuff in it. I actually like that. But one. you know, when you go to stuff like the Bugaloo's and HR Puff and stuff, and uh, and Lidsville, those were sitcoms. Well, Sit, and the Sea Monster. They were kids shows. They were shows about yeah. little kids going on adventures with monstery friendly things. And everyone learned yeah. a valuable lesson. And that's not this. Uh, this particular show they were reviewing on Cancel Too Soon is chosen by our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network uh, is a superhero show very much modeled after uh, the 1960s Batman television series. And it is, as Whitney has already mentioned, and he didn't pause long enough for me to put a clip, Electra Woman and Dyna Girl. See, that's how you do it. Uh, well, you know, I just want to get to the meat of the thing. I know. Um, I just need to, need to play but, uh, the clip. Excuse me. Electro Woman and Dyna Girl, uh, Fighting Off Evil Deeds. Awesome, mm. funkified theme song. Yep. Uh, this was long after Batman. About 10 years after Batman. Yeah. But it's Batman. Batman, uh, it's, it's, it's the Batman re- It's really yeah. similar to the, the 1966 show Batman. You have, an, you have uh, an adult superhero. You have a teenage sidekick. In reality, uh, the woman who plays uh, Dinah Girl is only about two years younger than the woman who plays Electra Woman. Electra Woman is played by Deirdre Hall. Uh, Dinah Girl is played by uh, Judy Strangis. Um, and yeah, there's only like two years different. They're, they're both women. But um, the, uh, uh, the whole thing is they are uh, secretly... When they're not reporters, and they almost every episode begins with them like investigating a scoop, but then a bad guy does something, and then the reporter thing is forgotten for the rest of the episode. Uh, they're superheroes. They have a mad scientist living in their basement who's constantly inventing new things for them to use to fight crime. And every week, a new wild supervillain modeled after the old Batman, sort of kooky, uh, everyone's got a gimmick uh, type of bad guy. Shows up and in a two-parter, but each two-parter is only half an hour long total, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Uh, they are, they fight them. There's a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger is resolved. They mm. fight them. And much like Robin would always say something like, holy rusted metal, Batman. Dinah Girl always says something like, Electra Wow. Or, it was Di- Dinah Wow. I'm sorry, Dinah yeah. Wow. Mm. Oh, she says Electra. Oh, no, she says Electra. Right. Yeah, she says Electra. Electra she's, Wow. She's not... She's not so egotistical as to use her own prefix. Fair. She respects Electro. Uh, yeah, their their superpowers come from something called electrocoms, which are little widgets they wear on their wrists. Basically, it's it's like an it's an eye watch. It and they use uh, quote computer technology the same way fifties monster movies used radiation as an excuse to uh, to facilitate any kind of supernatural whatevers they need. So sometimes their uh, electrocoms are good mm. for, say, a tracking device or talking to someone on the phone or looking at a video. Other times they can be used to, like, make duplicates of inanimate objects or make people invisible or fly. And it's basically just whatever we decided mm. they can do this week. They, uh, they also have a, a Batmobile, they have yeah. the Electromobile. Electric car, uh, electric electric car, uh, which is it? Which is which is a convertible, and it is uh, more of a concept car. It looks kind of like I don't know, like a like a shield or something. Like it's, it's yeah, got it's a conical of, kind of front, yeah, but kind a of, wide back. Yeah, doesn't look like a very practical mode of transportation. No, and there aren't a lot of scenes of them driving around in it, like in no. the old Batman show. Um, no, it just it just an excuse to give yeah. them their own kind of Batmobile. If, like, if you if you think the old Batman show looks campy and cheap, good God, you have not seen Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. Uh, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl was made on like such a, a paltry shoestring. Mm-hmm. It looks so unbelievably cheap. The special effects are just unilaterally awful. And and we're not even talking like the usual video toaster effect where like, mm. oh, you can only see someone's arm because the rest of them is invisible. It's like it's, behind a blue screen. Yeah, you know, and that's like, super obvious. I'm talking about... There's a bit, it's a shot they use in almost every episode mm. of Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. They go into their house and they press a secret button and then they go into an elevator that takes them down into their lair. And when they're in their lair, all of a sudden they have their costumes on just like mm. Batman and Robin and their poles. The elevator down to their lair mm. 
when you see it from the outside, is clearly like a cardboard or like plywood red <laughs> sort of box, like long, long box. And at the bottom, the door opens, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl are there. It's clearly not a working elevator. It's clearly just they open the door and the actors just run out. But in order to make it look like an elevator, they shine a rectangular light from the top of the box to the bottom as though there's a window. There isn't. It's clearly a flashlight. And the weirdest fucking thing is it kind of works. They uh, almost get away with it. It's actually not the worst gimmick you could use. Uh, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl kind of drifted into my consciousness because I'm I'm like sort of on the waning edge of Generation X, um, Generation Y, I suppose. And this one was vaunted. A lot of the Sid and Marty Croft stuff was held really high uh, in sort of like Gen X entertainment. A lot of these things were uh, recycled from, it's like enjoying your parents' generation Mm -hmm. stuff, but also kind of scoffing at it at the same time. Well, this is, this is from an era where like the the repeats from your parents' generation were still very much on when you were watching TV. Mm -hmm. So like when we were kids, at like early afternoon or like first thing in the morning or midday on a weekend, you would see the 1960s Batman or you would see, see Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. I love or, Lucy, yeah, all, yeah. The, all the Sid and Marty Croft That's shows. not That's... so much a thing anymore because we're not limited to whatever is available on TV. Yeah, now, so, just, now it's just on whatever streaming service So if you, on, don't, yeah. if you don't want to see something old, you won't. But previously it was, well, this is the only thing that seems like yeah, it, but, I, interesting for my generation right now, so I'll watch the 1960s Batman as if it just came out today. Yeah, I, I don't know how well this was received at the time. Uh, it was... Well, broad- it was canceled after 16 was, yeah. episodes. It ran from September 11th, 1976 through September 2nd, 1977. And uh, that was under an, um, what they call an umbrella show, and this was a lot more common with kids' entertainment back in the time. Especially with Hanna-Barbera and with Sid and Marty Croft. The Croft uh, Super Show. Yeah, it, it, it was it was actually one program that ran other programs inside of it. And, you know, we've, we've been debating on Cancel Too Soon whether or not the Umbrella Show should can't, can't count as the show or the segments in it should count as the show. This is technically a segment from a, within a larger show. But it was, but, but the larger show was basically like its own little mini network or block of programming. So yeah, I think it counts. It counts. It's 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 one of those like kinda type mm-hmm. situations, but I think for all intents and purposes, the show, other shows on the Croft Super Show continued. Mm. Uh, this there was only two in the initial season uh, that got canceled after a season. The other one was a show called Doctor Shrinker, which I'm less familiar with. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, know Doctor Shrinker, but it was a guy with a shrink ray. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess they mm. they shrink three people down to six inches tall, and. Then it's about the the shrinkies trying to return to normal size while the mad scientist and his uh, assistant Hugo, played by Billy Barty, oh, well, uh, B- Billy Barty them. was in a lot of the the Sid yeah. Marty Croft stuff. Yeah, uh, he he played the moth uh, in the Bugaloos. Okay, and uh, I I don't think he was Sigmund, but he was one of the sea monsters. Okay, maybe he was Sigmund. I don't. Know. Uh, but yeah. But in any case, uh, so Electro Woman Dinah Girl, it also aired by the, just to get the, the officials out of the way, it aired on ABC. Okay. That's where the uh, Croft Super Show yeah, was on. But, uh, yeah. but I was going to how this was a kid's program, wasn't really well received at the time, but it found second life as sort of like stoner programming. Right. Well, it's also there weren't a lot of superhero shows starring women, and although I would hesitate, well, there was to... Wonder Woman at the time. Well, there was yeah. Wonder Woman at the time, but it's still not nearly as many as there were men. Because like mm-hmm. you look at like on TV, like and look at kids programming. You had Gigantor, you had the Herculoids, which had mm-hmm. one female character, but you know you had um, Thundar, you had Space Ghost, you had all of these male superheroes running around, and there were yeah, there were a few female superheroes at the time. Spider Woman had a show. We did that on mm-hmm. Cancel Too Soon. But they were fewer, and so they stood out more. And I think it's one of the reasons why this show has, you know, a bit more legs uh, in terms of its sort of cultural footprint, mm. is because this was supposed to be an empowering show for young women. And I think that's certainly a noble endeavor. Um, it form again formula wise, it's Batman, but without the writing staff being genuinely funny. So it's basically just the trappings of Batman and you either find that charming or you don't at that point. Well, and there's not a lot of in the way of comedy in the show. No. There's like a few comedy characters, like sidekick characters here and there, but yeah. Well, you're supposed supposed to find the whole concept kind of charming. And uh, you get the sense that every single actor, like the villains get to ham it up a little bit. Mm. They're having a good time. 
You get this. I got the distinct impression that Deirdre Hall is bored as hell. She yeah. She's she's, she's just sort of there, d- just reading the lines. She's got no personality. Like her character is. I'm sure the actress is fine, but the character has no personality other than being stalwart. Hmm. At the very least, like Judy Strange just gets to play this like kind of hyperactive, super invested, ultra optimistic character. And there's one episode, hmm. uh, a piece where each of them gets to play the bad guy for a little while. Uh, there's a and scene. Only, only then does it look like they're having fun. Judy Strangest <laughs> in, is in the, the in the uh, Sid Haig episode. Yeah, Deidre yeah. Hall. It's less fun for Deidre Hall because she still has to like. In the Deidre Hall episode, the villain is impersonating Electro Woman, so she still has to like play Electro Woman. Hmm. The episode where Dinah Girl turns evil, it actually is Dinah Girl turning evil. She's having the time of her life, and I'm saying it right now. <laughs> she's the best villain on the show. <laughs> she really is. She's. Fun. She, she's episode. fun, and she actually gets this. Like the, the conceit of that two-part episode is they've uh, constructed a widget um, that, re- that an, reverses an evil, your personality. An evil, yeah, an evil genie has stolen a Russian scientist's technology <laughs> to and create a widget that will reverse your your personality, and uh, they fire it at Dinah Girl, uh-huh. and she becomes a super villain. So she gets they they give her like evil eye makeup and paint her really pale and give her lipstick and she starts saying things like I like being evil, <laughs> and she's having a good time. And for a little bit, so are we. Yeah, uh, Electro and Dinah Girl is much like when we reviewed uh, the Ghostbusters TV show, or I guess late last year. Um, it's formula it's so much formula yeah, the, the episodes bleed together really fast so in addition to reviewing the original series we're also going to be talking about the two attempts to reboot it uh mm-hmm. afterwards just because those are actually kind of more interesting shows yeah, uh, yeah but it, it, uh, in let's, a lot of ways but let's real fast because there's not a lot to say about each of them let's just walk through well, they, uh, the main the main episode. They each have a, a villain of the week, so yeah. we can go by. The and villains. some of them return. So the first one is called the Sorcerer's Golden Trick. Uh, this features character actor Michael Constantine, who is probably best known to modern generations as the dad from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, but okay, he, but uh, he's uh, he's an Emmy Award winner. He's been a major character actor for like since the sixties. Yeah, um, just very reliable always brings a lot of charm to everything he does. And he plays like a stage magician, uh, who has his own, um, sidekick, uh, you know, his own, uh, dazzle, dazzle. That's mm. her name. Um, and in the first episode, he has a magic mirror. He's going to rob Fort Knox with a magic mirror mm. and he's going to make all of the gold disappear. And the big twist is, aha, he did it all with mirrors. The gold was never gone. And I'm like, then what the fuck was the point of that? The point is to steal the gold, not to impress everybody with your magic. You could have done that without being a criminal. I think he stole half of it. Like, he he, he wanted to, like, he stole part. Of, uh, uh, yeah, I forgot what it was. But yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense mm. at all. I'm just going to throw that out there. Look, Doesn't nothing, nothing about this show makes sense. No, not especially, and, no. And it's it's kind of bizarre because uh, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl are technology-based heroes. Yeah, they don't have superpowers. Yeah. Not inherently. Anyway. Yeah, they, they all, everything comes through their electrocoms and through the widgets that are invented for them in the week. There's always, there's typically a, a Q scene as well where they're, uh, mm. their Q invents their weapon for them and demonstrates how it works. And then they use it later in the episode. Uh, that is Q from James Bond. Yeah. Uh but it all rolls very without any kind of comment into all of these uh, super villains who have like legit supernatural powers. Like this isn't like yeah. Scooby-Doo where it turns out like there's no supernatural element to Scooby-Doo. It's there's all quite a few of them are yeah. actually supernatural. Yeah. These are like actual supernatural villains and they're using technology to beat them. Yeah. Weird. Hmm. Um, so that the first episode they beat the, the sorcerer. Well, anyway, I mean, moving on. I don't yeah, know. What do you remember about the Sorcerer's Golden Trick? He, you uses, he uses mirrors to steal gold and that, Fortnite. That's it. That's I the plot. Yeah. We're, we're done. There's really very um, little. The next episode, this one's actually kind of fun for a couple of reasons. The next uh, two-parter is called Glitter Rock. And, and, and that's is, also the name of the villain. The villain is named Glitter Rock. He has like a big green Afro wig. And he's like a trippy hippie musician mm. who's going to like hypnotize the world with his music and he's going to hypnotize 
the world after he makes himself the ruler of a country by stealing the ring of a visiting king, played by guest star Michael Blodgett. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, Michael Blodgett! (laughs) And you should be thinking, wow, Michael Blodgett, even though you probably don't know who that is. Michael Blodgett was in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is a hell of a resume in and of itself. He could have stopped right there. He was also in Catalina Caper, which is, of course, a classic from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Classic, and you can't see the quotation marks. He also co-wrote Turner and Hooch. Yeah. Mm. I haven't, I haven't seen Turner. Hitch. That movie was a license to print money. That was just Tom Hanks <laughs> in like the big era. So he was like really just money making comedy star. He's a cop. He teams up with a dog who eats his stuff. Comedy gold. I hate movies where cops team up with dogs. The scene. That's a whole genre. The scene where the dog eats Tom Hanks's car is just, and it's purely Tom Hanks's performance. Comedy gold. It's just Tom Hanks makes that movie work. I don't know how. It's not a good premise. But he made it work. He also co-wrote a very, very good thriller that I I wish more people had seen. I wish it was more readily available. Called Run. Starring Patrick Dempsey. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty cool. Patrick Dempsey plays a guy who's delivering a car across country. He's driving the car across country to deliver it. And he stops in like Atlantic City or Reno or something. And he just decides to gamble. And he ends up winning a game of cards for a ton of money and a guy tries to start a fight and right in front of everybody, Patrick Dempsey accidentally kills him. Mm. And it turns out that's the mafioso who runs this town's son. So now everyone in town wants to murder him. (laughs) It's quite fun. Actually, that's a good movie. Mm. Um, He also wrote a very bad uh, Chuck Norris movie. I know. Stop the presses. Uh, but it's a serial killer film called The Terror in which um, uh, Chuck Norris is trying to stop a bad guy who, um, oh, what's that What's the name of that, uh, is it the Wiltern that's on Normandy in like Koreatown in Los Angeles? The Wiltern, oh no, um, is, yeah. It's the Wiltern. Wilshire Wilsh- and Western, it's called the Wiltern. Yeah, there, there's, there's, a, there's a very famous venue here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles called the Wiltern, and like the serial killer like lives in the attic above the Wiltern, and it's really fucking stupid. It's a bad movie. <laughs> it's a really bad movie, actually. Um, but anyway, I, Michael Blodgett, I think he had a fascinating career, and I want to give him a shout out, because he was in some weird shit, and then he wrote some hit movies. Good for him. Um... In any case, yeah, so there's this big trippy guy and he tries to stop the world. And the, he, he, he try, well, he tries to hypnotize people with his glam rock. Yeah. And he's got star-shaped sunglasses and, yeah, the big green hair. And he'll show up in one of the remakes. Uh, the next two-farter is actually one of the few ones that tries to have a twist. Mm. Uh, it's called Empress of Evil. Uh, and this is one where there's actually a supernatural villain uh, and she's trying to uh, take over the world and she has her own sort of, uh, you know... Um, she's got her own peanut gallery like Mm. she doesn't actually do anything she's got like her sidekick Lucretia Mm. and Lucretia is basically saying hey you're doing great buddy like that's kind of all she does she's just a booster and uh, Electro Madonna Girl have to defeat her and she like makes the floor lava oh no the floor is lava it's a good thing we have our wrist thingies Mm. and then at the end of it uh, the uh, it turns out the Empress of Evil was an android, and Lucretia was the real villain all along. An cute, android, cute who, twist, an yeah. android who does magic. Moving on, uh, next one, and here we're just like we know of literature, but we didn't bother to read any. The next two-parter is called Alibaba. I, I feel like there there was a time when a lot of stock historical figures, and I, I blame uh, Jay Ward for this, mm-hmm. like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, or specifically Peabody and Sherman, who are bringing characters like Alibaba and and uh, Cleopatra, who also shows up on this show, uh, were showing up in a very specific form, like this comedic version of themselves that we'd see in cartoons all the time. Interesting. Uh, well, in that case, this one uh, stars as Alibaba Malachi Throne. Mm-hmm. Who had previously appeared in Batman, the uh, live-action series, as a character named Falseface. I was about to say, kind of. He didn't really appear, because he mm. wore a mask. He had a false face. He would also show up, and I forgot to mention this when we reviewed... We do a podcast on our Patreon called um, Hol- uh, Holy Batman, with a W. 
uh, in which we're reviewing every single episode of the 1960s Batman. I forgot to mention when we talked about the Malachi Throne episode that he would eventually go on to also co-star in a really interesting episode of Batman the Animated Series, hmm. where you know how like Two-Face has a split personality? In that one, it's split again, and he had another alter ego called The Judge. Oh, wow. Okay. So and he played, and the, he played judge. the judge. So okay. that's actually really interesting. And the genie, this actual supernatural genie who can grant wishes, which makes you wonder why he needs to commit crime. Don't ask, don't ask that question. The show doesn't have an answer. Uh, but the genie is played by Sid Haig. <laughs> Long working uh, cult actor Sid Haig. Yeah. Who's also on Batman. Also on Batman. Uh, yeah. Sid Haig. You probably know him best from Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Mm. Uh, but he's also been in some of the best Grindhouse movies ever. If you haven't seen Spider Baby, see Spider Spy- Baby. Spider Baby is like one of the better cult movies out there. If I were to make a list of like the top 100 greatest cult movies of all time, I think Spider Baby would be in the top yeah, 10. Sure. It's really great. Um, so yeah, he, he he worked in every TV show. He's very striking looking. You yeah. recognize it. Hank. Great, great character actor. Anyway, uh, so in this one, Alibaba uh, gets his genie to help him kidnap a scientist who has found a pill that reverses people's personality, which begs the question, why don't you just get the genie to do that? And the answer to that question is, and then uh, this is the one where Dinah girl turns evil and she's hilarious. <laughs> she is, she is grinning like a maniac. She's like, <laughs> like she's, she's been unleashed. You can tell they're bored. Yeah. You can tell all, all the act, like Everyone's even the so vil- even already. the villains don't get that chance to really chew it up. Not often, no. Like they don't have anything <clears throat> to do. Like they have they're the just color- sitting there in a the throne room describing mm. the plot. That's mostly what they yeah. do. Sometimes they have a colorful outfit, but yeah, they don't look like they're having fun. No, it's really sad. not. Not Burgess Meredith was having fun. Yeah, because Burgess Meredith mm. had stuff to do. Yeah, Frank Gorshin was having fun. He I, had stuff I, to do. Know. He could throwing pies at people mm. and seducing people and like blowing up banks. Like he was like. He had things to accomplish, but these shows are so cheap. The villains are just hanging out in their lairs. Uh, the next uh, two-parter is called The Return of the Sorcerer. And this one, The Sorcerer Returns. It's got the mirror again. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he actually tries to force Electra Woman into another dimension. Oh, yeah, it was weird. And she falls into like this weird nether space for a little bit. I kind of like this one bit in this one where uh, the, the sorcerer like leaves them a note. Mm-hmm. That says, wasn't this a great trick I just pulled? Surely you'd want to give me a big hand. And once they say big hand, giant pair of hands starts clapping on the screen, like trying to like clap them to death. And it's and just superimposed. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of trippy, though. Like if I was high, I would have been like, yeah, mm-hmm. like it just sort of like that's weird. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got, really. It's the only, only noteworthy thing about the episode. Sid and Marty Croft, uh, actually, this is a, a Ruby Spears joint. Like, they're the creators mm. of the show, but this was uh, under the auspices of Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah. Sid and Marty Croft claim they didn't do acid. They claim they didn't you do drugs. You can claim a lot of things. They claim that, 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 that drugs had nothing to do with these shows. These were, like, just their attempt at being legit entertaining. Yeah. Again, you can claim yeah. a lot of things. <laughs> you knock yourself out. I sure, whatever you fucking say. I, I remember going to an anniversary screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and uh, Richard O'Brien was there, hmm. and he was doing a Q and A, and somebody stood up and asked, "Hey, Richard O'Brien, just what was going through your mind? What what made you conceive this bonkers musical that you invented?" And he just said, "It's called marijuana." Yeah. But in, in that Richard O'Brien way, it's called marijuana. <laughs> Always inhale your joints. Anyway, moving on. The next uh, two-parter is called The Pharaoh. And uh, in this one, the Pharaoh is basically King Tut from Batman. He thinks he's a Pharaoh. He's obsessed with it. He's not actually a Pharaoh. He's just obsessed with it. Uh, and, and he and he, his he's girl... Playing, I think he's playing the part very well. He's played by an actor named uh, Peter Mark Richman. Who you might remember um, from uh, uh, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, he was also one of the main guys in uh, Naked Gun Two and a Half. Yeah, um, he he knows uh, that he knows how to play it straight. Mm-hmm. He's and he plays it straight very well. And then we have, like I alluded to earlier, this very particular comic version of Cleopatra mm-hmm. that I've seen in many many movies and cartoons. That Cleopatra is depicted as essentially a Jersey girl. Yeah, like she's got a really thick Jersey accent or a, like. American American accent is really uh, 
suffused with a lot of colloquialisms. We saw the same character in Batman. True. Uh, we saw, and I've seen that in Peabody and Sherman. I've seen yeah. that in Carry On Cleo, in one of the Carry On movies. I don't know I, why I don't, that's always the gag, but I, Yeah, I don't know why this was the stock character for Cleopatra at the time. I feel like a lot of the time when there was a dynamic between villain and um, mm. uh, psychic, and the sidekick was a woman and the villain was a man, uh, the idea was that the man, the, having a woman who is more down to earth is supposed to be some sort of comic juxtaposition so that the guy who is clearly like originally a normal guy who just has a weird fetish and mm. she's just going along with it makes it seem kind of funny. I don't know. Anyway, um, she, I, I Cle- Cleopatra is played by Jane Elliott, who is actually an incredibly like prolific soap opera actor. She was on General Hospital from 1978 to this year hmm. like she's she took some years off in the middle there but she's been on that show pretty consistently since the 70s and she won a daytime emmy for it um so she's actually pretty good cat. <laughs> anyway they've uh they've they've stolen like a miniature old um pyramid and inside the pyramid there's a being of pure energy <laughs> that's gonna kill us all <laughs> what do you suppose this being of pure energy looks like? Looks like looks like someone in like a green blanket with a video toaster, some stuff on it. It's it's a guy wearing a blanket. Yeah, it, it's like the creeping terror, but like with a, a blue screen effect. Like I can't help but sort of be impressed. Anyway, the next episode, but, is... but as as you've mentioned, hmm. if you're really high, <laughs> that's probably got to be pretty terrifying. The next episode is called the Spider Lady, and in this one, they fight the Spider Lady. The Spider Letters played by Tiffany Bowling, who I've met. Oh, no shit. That's uh, well, cool. um, uh, briefly. Um, Tiffany Bowling. Um, who was in the movie The Kingdom of the Spiders. Well, she was also in a movie called The Candy Snatchers, yeah. uh, which I heard a lot about. And this is a, a, another time when I get to bring up our friend Mark Edward Hoyk. Uh, he was a huge, huge fan of The Candy Snatchers. I think he had a, he owned his own print of it. And... Uh, he pushed really hard. It showed up at a few midnight screenings and I believe Tiffany Bowling came in and I got to sort of say hi to her at one point. That's if cool. Either I, I it was Tiffany Bowling or somebody else. But, Candy um, Snatchers is a film about a bunch of uh, criminals who kidnap a young woman and she ends yeah. up... Well, what happens is they, they kidnap a, like a young heiress and they like hide her in a coffin underground with like a tube so she can breathe and they contact, uh, I think it's her stepfather and say, hey, we, we'd, like, uh, we'd like some ransom now and he's like, nope, I don't care about her. <laughs> Yeah. keep her and they don't yeah. know what to do because yeah. they kidnapped this girl and they had no no intention of keeping her yeah uh, she was also in a really really good gimmick horror mm. movie we recently talked about an episode we've got mail called mm. wicked wicked uh which is about a serial killer operating in this giant hotel and no one knows where he is uh and the gimmick of the movie is that it's actually two movies playing simultaneously and on one side of the screen, you're watching the regular plot. On the other side of the screen, you're watching ancillary stuff. Uh-huh. Like when someone talks about where they've been, you'll see it on the right side of the screen. Or mm-hmm. you'll see things from two different angles. So like you'll see the victim walking around and you'll see the killer stalking them, but they don't know where they are. It's, it works surprisingly well. It's actually a pretty cool film. So I just want to give a, a shout out mm-hmm. to that. But yeah, uh, the, uh, the Spider Woman. Is it Spider Woman or Spider Lady? The Spider Lady. The Spider Lady uh, wants to impersonate Electra Woman, and she does, and uh, get away with a whole bunch of crimes, mm. which she does not. No. And 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 she has two uh, two henchmen, not sidekicks, but like mm. two two thugs, like in uh, like mm. in Batman, and their names are uh, Spinner and Legs. Yeah, so that's more Batman than usual. And then so, the last, and, she, and she's a spider, but she's a shapeshifter, so that's that's yeah. a real little odd. And then the last two-parter, uh, the Pharaoh and Cleopatra return for Return of the Pharaoh, in which case uh, the Pharaoh steals another magic thingamaduty. Mm. But the twist here is that at the end of the cliffhanger, uh, the Pharaoh's plan was to trap Electra Woman and Dinah Girl inside a pyramid where they would, like, mm-hmm. just die there. Problem is they accidentally trap themselves in there, too, and they have to team up with Electra Woman and Dinah Girl to find a way out. <laughs> That's actually pretty clever, mm. and at the very least... For, especially for this show. It breaks the formula. Uh-huh. 
so I was watching this and I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Something different is happening. And uh, I think they realized that Peter Mark Richmond and Jane Elliott were like really fun mm. and giving them an opportunity to not just be the mincing bad guys, but actually like kind of work with the heroes mm. made it a better episode. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I don't know if that's the best episode of the show because they're frankly mm. mostly the same episode, but I would say the Dino Girl Turns Evil episode is the best, followed by Return of the Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah. I think it was probably um, the two. Uh, but yeah, these things just sort of breeze by. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they don't stick in the minds. They're really, really cheap. And it's just not good action. No. Like, this is supposed to be sort of an adva- action-adventure show, and it's not really grabbing you by it's the not, imagination. It's not action-packed. Mm. It's not funny. No. Uh, I mean, even by kid show standards, it's just they're not even trying to make jokes a lot of the time. Um, and if you look at it in terms of like sort of an aspirational, sort of heroic thing... They stand for truth and justice and stuff in a very generic way, but like they don't have enough personality to be the kind of person you'd want to be other than the fact that they're superheroes. Like I kind of wish we'd actually spent more time with them as reporters because that's something you can actually do. Yeah, you you can't just like kidnap a mad scientist and keep him in your basement and have him make stuff for you so you can beat up people in fetish outfits, but you can be a reporter. And actually, like, make the world a better place, you know? We, we hadn't reached that point of kids' entertainment yet where everything was just a toy commercial. Everything mm-hmm. was super toyetic, and they were trying to design shows to sell toys and sell outfits. But we're seeing the, simple, the oversimplification of concepts like in Batman that would make that sort of era possible. Where the characters don't have to have personality because you're going to buy the toy and fill the personality for them. Yeah. Uh, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl, yeah, they weren't designed to be toys, but they easily could have been. They were a, a product more than anything, and it, it's it feels like a pretty cynical endeavor overall. They're not thinking things out. It's just you know just another attempt to fill space in a children's TV slot and sell them serial ads. Yeah, um, uh, and and unfortunately. They don't stick in the consciousness because of anything they did in the show in a positive way. I think the reason uh, the reason anybody knows about Electro Woman and Dinah Girl now is like for ironic reasons. It's like when mm-hmm. they made that Banana Splits movie and just turned it into yeah. a horror movie because who really cares about the Banana Splits anymore? Hey, the only thing you can do with the uh, Banana Splits really mm. is do something subversive because otherwise it just doesn't. There's yeah. no reason. No one's going to be like, ooh. Yeah. Yay! And, like it's gonna be and like Electro Woman and Dinah yeah. Girl. Even even though we're living in the, you know, through this age where uh, superheroes are everywhere and we're kind of oversaturated, these particular superhero characters haven't gotten any kind of like real traction. Yeah. Not that they didn't try. Yeah, they, <laughs> they kept bringing them back, and mm-hmm. I think the I think uh, the energy of the actors, especially Dinah Girl, mm-hmm. makes it pop a little. I think the the song is good. The song is the, the, the lyrics. Song is good. The lyrics are kind of awkward, and like you're trying too hard to fit in all of like the. Uh, you can mm-hmm. tell when they have to turn into like Yoda cadence in order to get uh-huh. all the lyrics in, um, in order to get all like the plot elements in. But whatever, it's funky. It's cool. I like the theme song. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, it's it's just another one of those ultra repetitive. Like I feel bad for kids in the seventies. <laughs> like I'm not saying all the shows in the seventies were bad, but the ones that were bad were practically unwatchable and there wasn't a lot of competition because you only had a couple of channels out there so i don't know i guess people read more like that's the mm. only thing i can think of pong hadn't been really out there much yet so mm. you, you better be reading that's your only option <laughs> <laughs> or god forbid use your own imagination but nobody to, wants that to go outside and just play it's like a baby's to, to toy. read a book um electro woman and Dinah girl uh you know has some name brand recognition. Mm. So eventually when superhero stories started to get more attention and uh, started to make more money consistently, as opposed to the occasional Batman Mm. or the occasional Superman in the late nineties, early two thousands, there was an attempt to bring Electro Woman and Dinah Girl back in a television pilot Mm. for the WB. And this is not a full-length pilot. It's only a 15-minute pitch pilot. It is readily available online. Mm. Uh, It stars an actress named Ann Stedman as Dinah Girl. And it stars Marky Post (laughs) as Electro Woman, and that's cool. Good casting, and and uh, if you don't know who Marky Post is, by the way, because um, I feel like she was in like she was big in a lot of shows in the eighties. People don't yeah, talk about so. a lot. Uh, she was in Night Court, which was a monster. 
Night Court was one of the biggest sitcoms of the 80s. Mm-hmm. People don't talk about it a lot anymore, but it was incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also on a very long-running action show called The Fall Guy, mm-hmm. which is actually a really cool idea, and I'm surprised it hasn't been rebooted again in a while, but it's about a stuntman who moonlights as a bounty hunter. Yeah, Awesome idea for a show. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Um, so uh, the premise of the new Electro Woman and Dyna Girl, this pilot, which didn't get picked up, was uh, a young girl is saved by Electro Woman when she's a child, and as a result, she has grown up uh, idolizing Electro Woman. She is now a freshman in college, and she went to the college where Electro Woman mm. went, and she's trying to track her down to have her come to an alumni event. Electro Woman does not respond, so she heads on over to the address on the letter that got returned un- unanswered, and she's living in a trailer park. Mm. Her career has gone to shit, and... It's now up to this young girl who who idolizes Electro Woman to get this woman who has completely given up on, is totally jaded on the process, uh, up and running again yeah. as a superhero. Uh, it's raunchier than I thought it would be. Like, Electro it's, Woman is, like, taking showers with all of her college buddies uh, and, like, talking about things in, in her various places. Yes, like, somebody waves a gun at her and says, oh, oh, please, I've had things bigger than that up my... And then she's cut off. Yeah. Um, Gross Elvira level entendres and and no entendres, just raunchy yeah. humor. Yeah, uh, this was made in two thousand one. This was like shortly after Mystery Men. This was when uh, we were kind of trying to demystify superheroes. It was also in the middle of uh, raunchy comedy land when yeah, you know, there's something about Mary was recently a big hit, and we were yeah, still yeah. like getting this kind of really just like a lot of <laughs> farts. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot of lot of bodily humor, bodily fluid humor was was yeah. really uh, in vogue at the time. Marky Post sells it. She's good. I actually think it's really funny, and I like this premise that uh, of sort of like the burned out superhero that Electro Woman and Dinah Girl split up because Dinah Girl ran off with Electro Woman's husband. Yeah, and she lives in a trailer park and just is is an alcoholic and like, a smoker. And one hand, it seems kind of disrespectful to the original series to just like throw Dinah Girl under a bus like that and say that like. Electra woman not only like fell from grace but was like just became just sort of like this weird well, sl- you know al bundyish slob yeah <laughs> like on one hand it's a little disrespectful to that i can maybe see why some people would have been turned off by it but for what it is hmm. it's a little lowbrow for my taste hmm. but it's does what it does rather well well and also how much respect do Electro Woman and Dinah Girl really deserve? I mean, they're they're in, in the premise of the show. They are lower tier superheroes. Yeah, nobody like in in the the original series. They're the only superheroes in the world. In this one, they're part of the DC universe, and indeed, yeah. we get cameos from the Flash and Aquaman. Yeah, the Flash is like ordering a pizza and then just runs out. But there's mm. a really cute bit with Aquaman where Aquaman is there at the alumni event mm. because and he a just lot com- of superheroes went to this high school, I guess, or college, but or like college. Yeah, and I guess, me. and I guess, the, and the gag is weird. He's just like, uh, yeah, I was in the cafeteria. They have halibut, <laughs> <laughs> and and our hero, our, the few, the mm. girl who'll be cool eventually become the new Dina girl mm. is just like, um. I can get you a coupon for another restaurant. Thank you. Which is actually a funny bit. It's, it's a funny bit. <laughs> it's a genuinely funny bit. And Aquaman is like, like he's like a fish creature. Like he's got yeah. gills and yeah. weird eyes and, and fishy ears. Looks like, like an Aquaman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually like, again, and the whole thing is, uh, she decides to be Dinah Girl in order to get Electro Woman out there again. So they go to like a signing at a local well, they, hardware store. In, in order to get her back into the public eye, yeah, it's yeah. like, let's do some like publicity events. Yeah. Because uh, in order to be a superhero, you need publicity. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, there's, uh, there's a, 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 and it so happens that someone decides to rob the place that day and she has to mm-hmm. save the day. And everyone's like, oh, Electro Woman is back. And Electro Woman realizes that she needs Dinah Girl, and so she decides this new girl is her new Dinah Girl, and she actually mm-hmm. has, like, a big contract, like, yeah, this is gonna put you in a lot of danger, you should probably sign this contract. Appreciated that, thought that was a fun little bit. Um, and the whole thing is she's now gonna, they're all, they're gonna live together, and Electro Woman's gonna go back to college and finish her degree. Which feels like putting a hat on a hat, but okay, like whatever, let's do it. Well, I mean, this is the premise. Where are we? Where are we going to live in in the trailer? Or okay. no, it's going to be the dorm room. We got to have to set up the setting. Yeah, I, all, I, I all of this stuff that. is established in just a fifteen minute short. By the way, it's yeah. re, it's not a full episode. No, it just lays everything out. It's got it doesn't a good feel tone. too rushed. Actually, I got to be no, honest. Like no, actually no, tells a little in there, fifteen yeah. minute story. Um, yeah, this is this is certainly worth tracking down on its own. Um, should it have gone to series? 
I'm kind of 50 50 on mm. it. I think Marky Post is definitely selling it. Maybe I would have retooled it a little bit, scaled it back a smidge mm. on this on the sort of the degrading sexual humor. I don't think Black Woman really needs that. Mm. I think you can I think you can pull off the same thing without it being you know quite so degrading. But mm. at the same time, they went for it, and I kudos to Marky Post for being game. Um, so uh, it's certainly it's certainly worth checking out. If you think you've seen every superhero story. And then uh, about 15 years went by and they decided to do an Electro Woman and Diana Girl. Now, this is essentially a mini series that would then get re-edited into a, a movie. Mm-hmm. But I have to imagine that if it was successful, they would have wanted to do more. Yeah. So uh, it was... I, it's kind of a pilot. It's kind of a series. It's kind of not. But for the sake of being a completionist, we're going to talk about it anyway. That is the 2016 miniseries slash movie of Electro Woman and Dyna Girl starring a couple of really big YouTube celebrities. Yeah. Um, uh, Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah, were big YouTube celebrities uh, in shows like My Drunk Kitchen. Mm. And, uh, she was so big when it first came out. She was huge. <laughs> Hannah Hart was huge. Everyone yeah, I know yeah. was like really loving everything she um, did. Podca- podcasts, like Not Too Deep, and yeah. This Might Get Weird. Um, I wasn't super familiar with Grace Helbig uh, mm. before this, but um, she's, she's actually really good in this. Mm. Uh, so uh, Grace Helbig plays Electro Woman. Hannah Hart plays Dinah Girl, and they are superheroes in Akron. And basically, they've accomplished nothing. They're hanging out in their superhero outfits. They call themselves superheroes, but they haven't really done anything. Well, and, the the premise of the show is there was a big event several years earlier where all the it was like a in the comic books a big crossover event. Yeah, like onslaught or crisis and, on Infinite Earths or something. And in the world of this, that that event to, was years years ago, and they got rid of all of the supervillains. Yeah. So there's so a bunch of superheroes, but no villains. There's a heroes, heroes, no villains, and uh, essentially not enough crime to go around, which yeah. means a lot of superheroes have gone to pot. And people have actual superpowers, mm. so like they actually have like a reason to do this stuff. But what superhero culture has turned into is a modern form of celebrity culture, where you're a superhero, maybe you stop the occasional liquor store robbery, but mostly you're doing endorsement deals and interviews. Yeah, you, you, you're just in it, which... Um, is a smart place to take it for mm. the world of modern YouTube fame. It is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea is Lex Woman and Dinah Girl are the roommates. Mm. They're just hanging out together. They have a great rapport. Like Grace Helbig and yeah, Hannah Hart yeah. are really genuinely funny together. And they're actually pretty good actors. I think uh, Hannah Hart in particular brings a bit more to the character. But like they're both really good in this. Um and uh, they end up stopping a liquor store robbery, and they end up going a little overboard and accidentally ripping a guy's arm off, which was a <laughs> bit more than I was expecting from this. Um, but uh, that gets them some media attention, mm. and they are invited uh, to Los Angeles mm. by a big superhero talent agency <laughs> to uh, try to maximize this big moment. And they decide to sign with them rather impetuously, and it turns into, mm. for a while, a pretty conventional uh Small time group signs with the big city storyline where one person mm. starts really selling out, the other person thinks it's all about the music slash superheroing, <laughs> and, and they they even predict how predictable this plot is going to be. It's like, oh, I, let's shake hands on this. It's not like we're going to be set on these two divergent paths where we're going to separate and then come back together for a climactic event. Yeah, and and lo, that's the plot of the movie. Yeah, uh, Electra Woman begins to really love uh, the idea of becoming a celebrity because. They've been destitute. They've been living in a really small apartment for this whole time. And they've been working really hard to be superheroes for a while, so success feels Mm. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Hannah Hart, Dinah Girl, wants to be a good superhero, and she Mm. thinks that's more important than anything else. And while she's willing to do some of this (laughs) publicity stuff, she doesn't want it to get in the way of doing superhero stuff. Mm. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of superhero stuff to do. Um, they get a cool makeover. Their costumes are actually pretty cool. Uh, there's one mm. of the things with the Electro Woman and Dinah Girl that always kind of sucked is their costumes always look stupid. Yeah. Especially yeah. considering they had like the letters for their names, like on their clothes, like DG, EW, not great. Yeah. EW, do you really want to be known as ew? Ew. That's, that's terrible. That's ew, terrible. egg. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you... And there was this thing would be like, you know, the scene transition, the original series with the letters EW would fly at the mm. screen. And he just, every time I went, ew, like, mm. that's not the vibe you want. So they get a nice little makeover. Their costumes look practical and cool. Um, I like this trend that we've had in the last few years where superhero costumes are being a bit more practical. Mm. 
look like something people might actually be able to wear yeah. as opposed to just giant rubber armor. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that. Um, uh, but the problem is as they get, they get in more enmeshed into celebrity culture and then a supervillain actually shows up for the first time uh, in many, many years oh. and just immediately slaughters like the number one A-list superhero. And it's, all the other superheroes are like, oh, we were not ready for that. It's the, the story of Mystery Men. Uh, it's, it it's really similar to Mystery Men because Mystery Men, a big part of that universe was superheroes get endorsement deals and that's mm. the way you become a bigger hero mm. and uh, the joke of mystery men was it's about the other guys the guys that can't get the, the endorsement deals because they're not good like interesting superheroes yeah. Shuff- shufflers they're not and bowlers, sexy they're yeah. not they don't they don't have skills that look cool on a wheaties mm. box um there's a great speech at the end of mystery mm. men where they dedicate their victory to everyone who does a really hard job really well and nobody appreciates it like the people who work at the dmv that's a hard <laughs> job <laughs> Zuni Graffo is just like, I just want to dedicate this to everyone who supports independent film. It's like, which was, li- which was to lo- an ad lib. She says, uh, uh, yeah, to, to all the people who listen to local music and support independent film, that got a cheer in my theater. <laughs> yeah, that that's, uh, that was an ad lib. They were like, only had like a couple of feet of film stock left, so they oh. just let her run with it and they kept it on the movie. And I'm glad yeah, they good. did. Good, good, yeah. But like, it's, but it, it does, yeah, it, it does feel, the, this does feel like it owes like some debt to Mystery Men. Mm. That's sort of like, we're taking the piss out of superhero culture, but we are very fond of it. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's the line. I think that's what keeps yeah, it from being cynical. I think it's actually a pretty good okay. superhero story. It's it's an it it's an okay superhero story. It's really kind of shabbily put together. It's not very well written. Well, the story the, isn't the, amazing. Uh, some of the gags aren't that great. There was a bit near the end which I found really amusing, where um, I think it was a diner or it was Electra woman had to get across town in, in L.A. In, she's in, in, she's, in, she's in, the valley in, in Los Angeles and she has to get across town in L.A. and like every Uber she tries to get into is the wrong one. Yeah. How many black little places bit. are there in this town? She gets in and, and the guy gets really excited that Electra woman is in his car. He's like, yes, you, you can be my driver, the driver. And he gets really into his role just yeah. while he's giving her a ride. Honestly, the whole bit about how, ah, yes, I have kidnapped your sidekick and mm. you must, you must save her. And mm. she finds out quickly. She's in Beverly Hills, but she's in the Valley, which mm. in the middle of the day will take you at least an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she doesn't have a car and she can't fly or anything. So she's just got to get an Uber. And a big chunk of it is her waiting for her Uber. That <laughs> is so sympathetic. <laughs> if you've ever had to wait for an Uber in L.A. Oof. Um, that whole bit's funny. Um, I actually, honestly, I really dig this one. I, honestly, okay. I genuinely like this. You, you call it shabby, but I think that's by design. It's supposed to be kind of conversational. This is a show starring YouTube personalities. And it treats... Superheroes like YouTube personalities. And what are YouTube personalities? It's personality first. Yeah. They might have a show where they do something, where they cook, or they make soap, or they play video games, or whatever they do. Mm. But the real appeal is to sort of connect to that person yeah, and want to um, hang out with them, want to want to feel like you're part of their inner circle. And I feel like that's what we do with Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. We get to feel like we're hanging out with them, and I want to hang out with them. The, They're uh, funny. It's it's called a manufacturing authenticity. Uh, that's hmm. that's why people go to YouTube and YouTube personalities because yeah. they uh, ostensibly are more authentic than other entertainers. Theoretically, yes. uh, um, it's just as much a machine, especially for uh, bigger stars yeah. uh, like like Hannah Hart. But um, well, that, at least later on. L- yeah. Later, yeah, when they when they got really really big. I'm I'm uh, I watch a show called Good Mythical Morning. If you ever hmm. heard of that one, I've heard about it. These two guys, uh, their their names are Rhett and Link, and yeah. They, their stick is kind of, kind of loose, kind of open. It's like they, they there's a lot of uh, food based things where mm-hmm. it's not just eating challenges, but like uh, taste, t- taste testing, or yeah. guessing when a certain food was invented. It's well, all uh, that, and that's actually really and that's 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 a key and, but thing. It's, what you're doing is you're doing you're watching this show because a you get to see them doing it in particular because mm-hmm. you like their personalities yeah. and b they have a good uh, punchy setup for a show that's easy to consume. That, but it's also mm. like, again, what they're doing helps. Mm. I mean, like shows where people eat, you know, on the surface that might not seem like anything, but think about, there's a lot of people who live alone, don't have anyone to eat with. Eating is a social activity. It's what we're raised with, mm. the idea that it's a social activity. So I know people who will watch that kind of show just to eat with. Oh, there you it, go. It serves a function, I feel. Mm. And I think that's something that, I think this movie gets. I think it understands that on a surfacey level, it needs to have superhero shtick. But what it really is is a story about YouTube. 
Hmm. It's a story about YouTube celebrity. It'd be a good double feature with that underrated Gem and the Holograms movie. Yeah. Which is not an amazing movie, but it was way hmm. better than it got credit for. Like, that's a perfectly good slumber party movie about a YouTube band that makes it big and almost falls mm-hmm. apart and learns to get back together. And there's some good songs in it. Mm-hmm. On that level, that movie is fine. If you mm-hmm. wanted the motorcycle guitars, I'm sorry. They didn't get the budget for those. They actually tried. <laughs> but that's, what, that's not what they got. And they set up a great sequel, which that's we won't get because you didn't see that movie. Oh, my God. We were going to have Kesha as possessed. They showed her. Nobody saw it. I'll never get that. Damn it. So mad. But in any case, this is that kind of vibe. And it's actually surprisingly, there's surprisingly few movies and shows that I think are capturing what YouTube celebrity and personality Hmm. is kind of about maybe they're trying to capture it in a plot direction but to actually like and i think uh was it grace helbig grace helbig yeah grace helbig and hannah hart i think are pretty natural in that regard i just think they're pretty good actors she's Hmm. helbig is is fine i think hannah hart just brings a bit more to it i think her characters have got a bit more like conflict in her yeah so that helps but i buy them Hmm. i I would like to see more of this Electro-Woman and Dynagol. <laughs> if they had renewed this for another season miniseries movie, I would have been like, hmm. cool, I can't wait to see that. I'd like to hang out, I'd like to hang out more with these superheroes. Oh, and uh, another uh, element, um, Hannah Hart is gay, and, yep. and Dyna Girl is gay. They, they men- She has like a few little throwaway uh, lines of dialogue and pronouns right. uh, that denote her sexuality. Yeah. And it's not about romance at all. Not, not it doesn't has anything to do with the plot. There they, isn't a they, scene where like there's a big revelation. No, they, they acknowledge that she's queer and they just move on. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I like that. Yeah, I dig it. And it, it's not one of those, well, I guess it is one of those things where you could kind of like snip and take it out, but... No, it's it's, they don't need to, it's, 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 part it's, of it's threaded throughout though. To yeah, be yeah. Weird. So like, no, I agree. Hmm. Um, so we're going to do all three of these, even though the third one arguably wasn't a canceled too soon commodity. Like maybe it was only intended to be one thing, hmm. but of course at the end of every one of these shows, we say, was it canceled too soon? Uh, Whitney Seibold, hmm. the original 1976 electro woman and Dyna girl. Hmm. Was it canceled too soon? No, yeah. no, it was not. It's it's not that enjoyable. It's not crazy enough to be fun. Uh, some of the cheap effects uh, do have their charm. Mm-hmm. I think I think cheap bad special effects can be great. Yeah, like like Land of the Lost got away with this. Yeah, I, I actually I actually have enjoyed as an adult going back and seeing some of the Land of the Lost mm. because. The stories were weird and they actually like had yeah, some fun with it. It wasn't quite as formulaic. Yeah, there, there's not, it's so formulaic and the characters, the main characters have no personality whatsoever. Yeah. It's just not kooky. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I, again, I like some of the personalities involved. Mm. I think, um, ah, uh, what was her name? Uh, mm. the Judy Strangis. I think Judy Strangis is definitely the breakout star of this. Mm. I think she's just got more energy. She's having more fun. And again, when she's the villain, that's a genuinely good yeah. episode. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that same Sid and Marty Croft, Ruby yeah. Spears shtick. It's the same formula over and over again. Yeah. They bring nothing to it. It's not funny. It's not exciting. Mm. It's not clever. And I want to be kind because it's a kid's show. I want to be kind because the premise is perfectly fine. But it's not fun to watch. So what can I do with this? So it's, no, I can't no. say it was canceled too soon. I think it was, I think they had a shot. I'm actually amazed that it, had such mm. an impact that we got more of it, but we did. So the Marky Post version, mm. was it canceled too soon? Uh, yes. I actually wanted would like to see that one, this sort of like raunchy comedic version okay. of, of Electro Woman and Dinah Girl carried on because I yeah. only got 15 minutes of it. Yeah. I think that that was a good setup. I think Marky Post was really good. I liked the tone and I I like a good dirty joke. So yeah. I, I think of, there's uh, it, there were enough fun tasteless dirty jokes that i actually chuckled numerous times i i i agree that marky post is great and i actually also agree that the setup is really really strong and i like dirty jokes too we talked about the elvira pilot on the show <laughs> and that's nothing but dirty jokes and it's non-stop hilarity it's arguably the funniest pilot we've ever reviewed for sure um but this one i feel like it was falling back on raunchiness as like sort of like lazy, lazy, it was, it felt yeah. lazy about it. It was basically like, we're going to be raunchy and that'll just make it seem edgy. And then we'll move on because I actually feel like the character stuff was stronger than that. Okay. And I feel like if they found mm. the right balance and the, and if the raunchiness wasn't all about sort of talking about how, Oh, mm. that woman's gross. 
she's no woman and she's got a body. Like occasionally some of them seem kind of mean spirited like that. Uh, a, 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 a few. I, you cut she, those out. She, you don't need those. You don't need those. You but don't I, need those. I feel like Marky Post was strong enough that sure. she was able to uh, like give give back. I think if you if the big note after that is you can keep the raunchy humor, just make sure that Marky Post isn't being treated like this weird gross entity and actually yeah. like keep like the tone a bit more positive, like have it be more sex positive rather than sex gross. Yeah. Then you can do all the raunchy jokes you want. Yeah. I feel like that's what it needs. So I'm going to say it was not canceled too soon, but it's on the edge and it needs a little retooling, yeah. but well, not much. Again, this was like not even the full pilot. It was this 15 minute little thing. Hence the note. Uh, so yeah. All right. And then last but not so least, you, but my point is you would have got it. I, I would have yeah. got it. I would have got it, but I would have insisted on that. They take a few notes. That's all. Okay. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, the uh, 2016 uh, version, mm. uh, which is very readily available. You can see it for free on Tubi mm. uh, with uh, with Hannah Hart and Grace Helbig. Uh, Again, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah uh, as a web series, like it, it was con- edited to be like a, a film with a conclusion. So yeah, um, it was meant, meant to be both things. You could watch yeah. it serialized or it would edit together perfectly well as a film. And so honestly, what, what you watch I, the film and it, yeah. it doesn't feel like so too I, serialized. Yeah, I can I can say think of this as what I want like a sequel with those same characters. Yeah. I feel like uh, it needs to be a little crazier. It was a little kind of laconic. It was a little too laid back mm. that there needs to be a little bit more energy for it to function as a film. Yeah, uh, I watched it all in one chunk as a movie, so it's kind of hard for me to see what this would have looked like in little episodes. Mm. Uh, maybe if I had seen it broken up, I would have seen how like each little vignette would have played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a film, yeah, it feels it feels a little too slack, a little too casual. Well, I think that is the point, though. I think mm. it's supposed to be kind of a casual... Mm. Um, I wouldn't call it a mumblecore, but you know, that kind of like really <laughs> laid-back kind of comedy. And mm. I think... As those kinds of laid back comedies go, sometimes those things fall back on feeling mm. kind of off the cuff, and as a result, yeah. they feel unfocused. This one, I think the script's fine. I think the script's actually pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, again, it's laid back, yeah. Mm. I think that's by design, so it didn't bug me. I think that if mm. they did more of this, whether you do it as a web series or whether you do it as a movie, I think you need to incorporate like another Sid and Marty Croft thing to mm. try to like make it pop a little bit. Like if they mm. had them go to the land of the lost like that's their big story this time Mm or or oh no lidsville is attacking or whatever i don't know (laughs) this the the sigma the sea monster is this giant seaweed creature who's attacking the city like play play with it a little bit more i think think there is a a segment in the sea monsters like horror movie being made like i think it was one of those blumhouse things where they bought the rights to segment of the sea monsters and and I think they're going to turn Sigmund into, like, an actual sea monster. Well, apparently... Oh. There was a reboot Hmm. in 2017 starring David Arquette. What? A Sigmund... What the (laughs) fuck is this? (laughs) Apparently, yeah, Amazon released a reboot of Sigmund the Sea... What the shit? No. Oh, no. Oh, Well, next week on Canceled. <laughs> no, we already no, have plans. We, we, we've, we've committed. We already have plans, but I will be looking into this because that's weird. Yeah. Uh, next time on Canceled Too Soon, uh, we will be reviewing a film that we've gotten a lot of uh, requests for over the years. In fact, this was actually uh, submitted to us by one of our listeners a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, the Black Donnellys, which is a short-lived drama series yeah. uh, about a family called the Donnellys, and yeah. they and- exist. That, well, they're they're Irish. It's Irish. That's, it's yeah, Irish no, underground Irish, crime. Irish, organized yeah, crime. Irish, Irish, Irish organized crime. Yeah, and it's uh, co-stars Olivia Wilde uh, and a bunch of other people who you mm. might recognize, but I think Olivia Wilde's probably the most mm-hmm. famous person uh, now. And, oh, Kim Mulgrew's in it. Okay, and, and it has one of my favorite phrases that I see on TV uh, DVD box sets. What's that? Uh, c- includes all thirteen episodes, including seven never aired. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's a selling point. Oh. It's like, oh. I, can't, I, I can't remember what movie it was, but I, I swear I saw a straight-to-video movie that said, too good for the big screen. That's <laughs> way to own it. Like, you know? Yeah, fuck you guys. You, you done Th- fucked up. Theaters were afraid of us. <laughs> we're too edgy, man. 
Um, thank you everybody for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we're very, very grateful for every single one of you uh, for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, if you want to contribute and can to the show even more so, you can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network where we have a lot of exclusive shows, including, as we said, a weekly show dedicated to the 1960s Batman television series. We're doing one uh, show per two-part episode. Uh, we have a show dedicated to every single episode of Star Trek, All Our Yesterdays. Uh, we have uh, shows dedicated to the Academy Awards. We just recently dropped another one of there where we're talking about uh, the Oscar-nominated films of 1941. Mm-hmm. We're reviewing every single Best Picture nominee in order. Uh, we have commentary tracks. Later this month, we're going to be doing, as voted by our patrons, a commentary track for Batman and Robin, the George Clooney-Chris O'Donnell fiasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have a show called Not on Disney Plus mm. where we talk about stuff that should be on Disney Plus that Disney has access to that they're just not giving us for some reason mm. um, and a bunch of other things besides and you can vote for future episodes just like this one which was a mm. Patreon poll we're going to have another Patreon poll coming up for Cancel Too Soon very soon um, and uh, of course you are of course more than welcome to follow us on Twitter we are at Critic Acclaim I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, together, we are at Critic Acclaim. Uh, we have an email address. Letters at criticallyacclaimed.net is that email address. We would love to hear from you. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. So feel free to write us about something we talked about in this episode or any other yeah. questions you have about yeah. what we do, film, TV, history, whatever you want, really. We're open books. People write us about important things. People write us about silly things. And we love them all. Um so thank you everybody once again thank you everybody especially to our patrons without whom the show wouldn't exist if you like soap you like soap who doesn't like soap everyone likes soap it's soap uh we have a soap store me and my uh, partner m lapis da silva uh we have a soap store called salt cat soap over on etsy salt cat soap is all one word that's how you can follow us on instagram and twitter uh and uh we design homemade uh, are very, very, very fancy soaps for you to uh, enjoy. And you can uh, purchase them over on Etsy. Look for Salt Cat Soap or follow us on any of those uh, social medias. And we just dropped a few really, really cool designs. Be sure to check out uh, if there's any of left available. We only made a very limited run. Uh, initially, uh, M. Lopez de Silva's uh, uh, Pride Bars, which are giant-sized of rainbow flowers just absolutely gorgeous and Mm. they smell amazing i love them so much they smell fantastic so please (laughs) check those out and uh yeah i guess that's it for us so once again thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next season 